I have had two failed marriages, but I think of them with pleasure. One took me to Paris. Mm -hmm. That's how I was five years in Paris and went to the Sorbonne to study psychology. And the other one brought me to the United States. Look at me. I'm talking to Donnie. Yeah. Look at that. Half an hour of sex talk. <laughs> Welcome to Arm Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and of course, this is the podcast uh, dedicated to a simple premise that everybody and everything today is a brand. Every athlete, every celebrity, every product, every corporation, every political party, every politician, all brands. And brands are sets of values, and we kind of pull them apart here, and we do two things. First, we have an interview with a big personal brand about their own personal brand, and today is really fun. We've got Dr. Ruth Westheimer. I was a bad impression. Of course, the number one sex therapist in the history of the universe. Uh, she's still going strong at, I think, 93. She's amazing. She's a spitfire. And we're going to talk a lot. We'll talk about sex. We'll talk about politics. And we're going to get into it with Dr. Ruth. But first, we do what we call our brands of the week here. And these are the brands shaping the zeitgeist, which brands are up, which brands are down, who's going in which direction, and who's driving the culture. So let's get right into it. Uh, first up, Brand up for Joe Biden. Uh, his approval rating up nine points since July. I mean, they're still underwater, but that's a big jump. And the speech he gave last week to me was a seminal speech. And, you know, what he did, and I've been saying this, this is what the Democrats needed to do, is basically really, really make it about Republican extremism. Make it about the fear of the end of democracy, the fear of unfree elections, the fear of a woman not being able to choose, the fear of a bloody insurrection happening again. All of those things, the craziness, the extremism, the fundamentalism of the right wing, make it about that. And that's what he did. He set the agenda. He made it a referendum on that. And I think that's going to be the kind of foundation. Democrats finally, to me, with that speech, finally found the voice and his approval rating is way up. Um, interesting enough, Trump uh, in a hot Trump brand down in a hypothetical rematch. This is interesting. And by the way, the Democrats want Trump. And anybody that says, you know, uh, the fact that the, the feds went after him at Mar-a-Lago made him resurface, gave him strength. Yes, made him resurface. That's great for the Democrats, all right? And in a head-to-head poll, Biden holds a six-point lead over Trump uh, with 50% of registered voters saying they would vote versus 44% for Trump. Uh, Trump, while I was speaking of Trump, just he had a rally in Wilkes-Barre called Biden the enemy of the state, called the president of the United States the enemy of the state, and uh, went after a bunch of other things. Um, he praised uh, President Xi, and of course, there's oppressive leadership in, in uh, China, and this is what he added. He said about Xi, he rules with an iron fist, 1.5 billion people. Yeah, I'd say he's smart. When you say smart, that's his view of what a president should be, ruling with an iron fist, the dictator. Uh, and he basically described Putin as fierce and smart. And those are our adversaries. These are uh, people that have uh, trampled all over basic, decent human rights. And that's what Donald Trump sees as his idols. Um, brand down for political robotechs. You know, you get those robotechs all the time about, it, it's amazing. And campaigns this year, have sent out 90 million texts, including 68 from Democrats and 23 from Republicans. Marketing texts have an open rate of 98% compared with 22% for emails. So they've quickly become, you know, the smart way to campaign. But now plaintiffs are citing the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, 
which basically says that uh, you protect it from these things. So we're going to see what's going to happen going forward. Uh, brand up for $20 an hour. $20 an hour is the new $15 an hour. More job searchers are looking for that work that pays 20 bucks an hour versus 15 Case in point, California fast food workers could start earning as much as 22 an hour after a bill passed the state, Senate, and Assembly yesterday over business objections. So uh, there you go. 20 bucks an hour is kind of the new what minimum that people are looking for. Brand up for employers. This is very interesting. Employers are among the last bastions of trust in America. This is according to Axios. Uh, or actually, Axios wrote an Edelman trust barometer. Edelman is a big PR firm called Trust in the Workplace. And that 81% said their friends and family are the most important source of trust in the community. 67% said people they share their personal interests were the source of trust. And then next highest rank came from people they work with at 65%. So people are trusting their work environment, their employers, their coworkers. Uh, and I think that's interesting. I think that that's good news. Um, brand down for early childhood education. And this is not a surprise coming out of COVID that math and reading scores for America's nine-year-olds fell dramatically during the first two years of the pandemic, according to a new federal study. In math, an average score of nine-year-old students fell seven percentage points uh, between 2020 and 22. Uh, the average reading score fell five points. And look, you know, it's not the same kind of education. Any parent that had kids at home will tell you that. And uh, so a brand down for early child learning. Uh, brand down for smokers in red states versus blue states. This is really interesting. The rates of smoking nationwide continue to fall, but smoking is still prevalent in several states. Here are the states with the highest smoking rates. West Virginia with 24%, Kentucky, Louisiana, Ohio, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Missouri, and Indiana. All red states, the highest smoking states. And guess what? On the flip side, the lowest smoking states... Maryland, New Jersey, Rhode Island, New York, Washington, Hawaii, Connecticut, Massachusetts, California, Utah, nine of those are blue states of the 10. So uh, smoking is a red state thing. Red states, uh, there's less education. And as a generalization, of course, red states versus blue states. And no surprise that smoking dominates there. Um, brand, I'm never going to brand up for Saudi Arabia, but uh, brand, let's watch it, is betting a trillion dollars it can become the next tourist hotspot according to the Wall Street Journal. Um, over 10 years, they want to spend a trillion dollars and they uh, basically they want to attract 55 million international tourists annually by 2030. That's half of what um, uh, go to uh, France every year. Um, and basically, hotel chain Radisson Hospitality, which has 26 properties in Saudi Arabia, now plans to open 20 more. Hilton Worldwide wants to add 75 and they don't want to be as dependent on oil, and they want to make the Red Sea uh, resorts a destination. We'll see about that. So there's Saudi Arabia spending a, tr a drop in the bucket for Saudi Arabia. Brand up for Apple. This is all you need to know about the, the power of their brand. Apple cars appear to be more popular than Tesla, and they don't even exist yet. So when asking people to rate you know, popular options in cars, survey 200,000 new vehicle owners Placed Apple third in the list of brand consideration. 26 said they love the Apple brand when considered buying a car. Company ranked behind Toyota and Honda, but ahead of Tesla, Lexus, BMW. That's amazing. That's the power of that brand. They're not in the car business, yet they would rank third in uh, brand affinity if they went into the business. That's the power. And speaking of Apple and their power, the iPhone just passed Android to grab a record 50% of the smartphone market. And for those of you not in marketing, 50% of any market is a very, very,
strong marketplace. Uh, brand up for advertising. And this is the interesting, and I've said this all along, that every time a streaming service comes along or a new model of, of reaching the consumer that takes advertising out of the mix, advertising finds its way back. And Netflix is going to be spending big bucks for brands to advertise on its services. Uh, uh, Netflix is going to charge advertisers 65% uh, cost per thousand. Uh, it's an expensive thing. And I always say this, once you have somebody content and somebody watching that content and somebody wanting to sell a soft drink to somebody else, that triad is going to exist. That triangle is going to find each other. And even if it doesn't start out that way, it creeps in. So long live advertising. I, obviously, I started my life advertising, so I love it, coming to Netflix. Um, interesting. Brand up for GameStop the movie. Now, GameStop, of course, the meme stock that kind of revolutionized the world of stock retail stock trading last year. Uh, it took a worthless company, and by the power of uh, the meme phenomenon, uh, became... Uh, I made the company vital again, where it had no business being. It was a worthless company. And the new movie was called Dumb Money, and it's set to star Pete Davidson, Paul Dano, and uh, Seth Rogen. Uh, it's a group, of, obviously, about a Reddit-based retail investors on the Wall Street, bets page, who boosted shares of game stock in an effort to hammer short-selling hedge funds. I, of course, was had money in some of those short-selling hedge funds and got destroyed. But that's not for another, that's for another day. Uh, Brand up for Serena Williams, obviously brand up for her. I mean, she had her uh, a, a marvelous farewell tour. And I believe her brand is going to continue to go stronger, as, as strong as ever. Certain athletes, even post their playing days, Arnold Palmer, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, certain athletes, they just transcend, obviously, Muhammad Ali. And she'll be one of them, whether she's playing or not. She, she, she takes such an important part in the American emotional slice of consciousness of athletes, uh, arguably the greatest woman athlete of all time, arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time, handful of three, four, or five, we can all name the different ones, but Serena, will, her brand will continue to be as strong as ever. Um, brand up for NFL football. Uh, TV ratings, we're, we're just starting NFL football this past Thursday, actually the day this drops at NFL uh, previews Thursday night. Um, you know, TV is on the way down, but football, nope. Football regular season games last year averaged 17 million viewers. That was up 10% from the year before. 50, 48 of the top 50 telegasts on television were football. That's it. Without You know, the networks, the broadcast networks without football, they, they just crumble. I mean, this is the only thing, you know, because for obvious reasons, people can stream everything else. You don't have to watch anything when it's on. And football is still the great live um, generator of eyeballs and football is going stronger than ever, as all sports are. The NBA is also. Um, and finally, brand, I don't it depends what they say, up or down for Turkey. Brand up for Turkey prices coming Thanksgiving. Inflation is coming to Thanksgiving dinner. Turkey supplies have been stretched this year after an, uh, a flu breakout, devastated flocks in the springtime, and threatens to reemerge in the fall. Uh, the bird flu outbreak affected 39 states this year and led to the death of more than 40 million birds, including 6 million turkeys, and supply and demand will tell you less turkeys, the higher the price. And those are our brands of the week. Now, let's get right to our interview. You're going to love this one. I mean, maybe you haven't heard from her in a while. She is amazing. She's a national treasure. Dr. Ruth Westheimer. I am thrilled to today's guest. Um, she is an icon. 
Um, she is a national treasure, international treasure. Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Um, uh, we're, her re-release of her book, The Art of Arousal, A Celebration of Erotic Art Through History, uh, is just one of her 45 books. That's right. Of course, she's probably the world's most renowned sex therapist, talk show host, author, professor, uh, Holocaust survivor, uh, and former uh, sniper in the Israeli, what was the Israeli defense, uh, was called a different name at that point. But um, I'm thrilled, thrilled to have you as a guest today. Thank you, Doc, for being here, Dr. Ruth. Thank you. I remember that I already once talked to you. Yes, yes. Nice, nice to talk to you. Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you. How have you been feeling, first of all? I feel fine, and I'm very happy to talk to you. I do have to remember to sit up high <laughs> so that you can see me. Because since you saw me last, I did not grow, but I also didn't lose any inches. So you're still, you're still a robust four foot seven, is that correct? Four foot, four foot seven is correct. Put it down. <laughs> well, I was wanted to talk to you. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. As you've gotten older, you've been more forthcoming in, in talking about politics and things. And yes. how you feel about the world today when you see Roe v. Wade being overturned and all of a sudden abortion illegal in parts of the country. Um, so I want, to, I want to tell you something important. I have managed my whole career to stay out of politics. Okay. Not, not that I don't vote. I vote whenever... I can. However, I stayed away publicly from politics. Not this time. On my Twitter, I did say how upset I am that that issue is again uh, on the carpet, that people have forgotten that people do have sex and that there is a danger uh, of even for those dumb even for those who are responsible, who are using contraceptives, even among those people who are pregnant because there are some contraceptive failures. So I'm, I'm very upset that we still have to talk about that. But I'm an optimist. And I believe now it happened already in Kansas. You know that yes. yesterday. Yes. So hallelujah for Kansas. And Hallelujah that I can talk to Donnie about it because I'm making an exception and I do talk about the importance of having contraceptives available. Lately, particularly post the pandemic COVID, you've talked a lot about loneliness yes. uh, and how that's kind of an epidemic in this country. Talk to me about not at every age, not only at older ages, but at every age that, you know, you, it's something you focused on lately. Yes. I tell you what I, I tell you a secret, okay? Mm -hmm. Just for your program, okay? Okay. I don't have it yet, but we are working on it. I want to be the ambassador of loneliness, giving good advice like public service announcements with good advice about loneliness because right now it's rampant, not only with old people, not only with older people. I tell you something, Ronnie, for your program. Mm -hmm. Even people who are married, even people who have a partner, very often feel very lonely. So right now in Albany, they are working on the idea that I want to be the yeah, I'm saying it publicly, 
for you, the ambassadors for giving good advice on loneliness for all ages. And I have to be patient. Patient is not one of my <laughs> best qualities. I'm not a patient person. However, here I have no 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 choice because they are all on recess right now. I have to be patient when I'm telling you a program. And once it will happen, I will come on again and tell you more details. I would love I will that. probably work with some people from the School of Social Work Columbia and some other people who have, uh, have done work in loneliness. But I want to be the spokesperson. Donnie, not for money, but for free. And I want to do those public services. And then I'm coming onto your program again. I would love that. You know, you said an interesting thing that sometimes people in marriages are lonely. I think sometimes if you're in a marriage or in a bad relationship, it feels more lonely than even being alone. I think that's something, in my experience, when I've been in relationships that weren't working, I felt the greater loneliness then than when I was on my own. That's very true. And I want to concentrate on all of those things that people, all ages, and people who are in a marriage right now that you're describing uh, that feel lonely, can use little tidbits, little advice, typical to for Dr. Robert Westheimer. And then, of course, I'm going to also say, read one of my books. That's part of it. But that's what I'm working on. Right now, there is some. Uh, there are some people that I will then get in touch with. It's still too early, but you are the first program. I love it. The first ever that I'm actually publicly talking about it because it is, in my opinion, it's happening. But I have to be patient. I love it. Help me to be patient. I love it. I love it. Can we, as as you. Uh, gotten older you've opened up a lot more about your childhood and yes. and growing up and and being a holocaust orphan yes and talk to me about growing up a, a, a little girl in germany and and i know you at age 10 uh you you kind of you your dad left uh and that was kind of no the he, he didn't well, uh, he, he didn't did. leave he was taken he was taken he was taken, he was taken. Uh, yes. uh, right right in november of 1938 and he was taken to a labor camp. There were no concentration camps yet. He was taken by the Nazis and he wrote a postcard that I, my name then, my first name was Carola. That's where the K comes from, Ruth K. Westheimer, because when I got to then Palestine, they said, you cannot be called Carola here, it's too German. So I took my middle name, Ruth. That's how I became Dr. Ruth. So he said, Carola has to join a group of children, Jewish children from Frankfurt am Main, Germany, that goes to Switzerland so that he, my father, could come back to Frankfurt. I had no choice. I was an only child. I did not want to leave my mother and grandmother and the other grandparents in the farm in a village Wiesenfeld. I didn't want to leave, but I had no choice. They saved my life. So I have to tell you, they actually gave me life twice. 
once when I was born and once when he insisted I have to go to Switzerland. So I, I went uh, um, in, uh, on the train with the other children to a children's home in Switzerland. I did, I thought for a few weeks, I did not know that World War II would break out, that I would be in that home for six, six years, years. Yeah. and that I would be become an orphan. I did not know any of that. So I have diaries. The diaries will go to uh, Leo Beck Institute. Uh, they have now been translated. I will let you know when they are available. And I'm talking about going from Switzerland to then Palestine. And like you mentioned, all of us became like soldiers. It wasn't an act of heroism on, on my part, but I became a sniper. Be careful what you're asking me. <laughs> I can still put five bullets into that red circle. I've never killed anybody very early in the Haganah. Can you say Haganah? Haganah. Yes. Very early in the Haganah, on June on June 4th, on my birthday, on my 20th birthday, I was badly wounded. So that was the end of my uh, being a sniper. I was very fortunate. I was wounded on both legs. There was a brilliant surgeon from Germany in at the Hadassah in Jerusalem. They fixed my feet. And later I could dance the whole night and I was a super good skier. So uh, I then I recovered and I thought I'll stay in Israel once it was declared my whole life. It happened differently. Look at the documentary. It will tell you how often I was married and how I Three got times. to Paris. Three times you were married. I see you did your homework. Yes, Bravo. yes. And, and you got it right the third time. <laughs> and the, the, the real marriage was the third. Yes, yes. Was Manfred Westheimer, who also came from Germany, who was an engineer, who died many years ago now. 1999. 1997 or 1999? Was it? Right. Of education in Canada, and who has put me on the screen with you? So um, Joel Westheimer and Miriam Westheimer, because he adopted my daughter mm -hmm. that I had from a previous marriage. And too bad he died very, very young. He was very helpful. He went with me on Sunday nights. To WYNY. Remember that program? Sure. Yes, yes. Sexually speaking, speaking w with Dr. Ruth, right. And and guess what? Every Sunday for ten years, I went to Rockefeller Center. I did WYNY. Sexually speaking with Dr. Ruth Westheimer, and I answered question. I was one of those people that used to listen uh as a younger man. 
Yes. What do you well, over the years? If you were going to say kind of the the one, two, or three sexual either questions or issues that seem to always come up with you, right? What, what are the ones that tend to get repetitive? I tell you what, the questions over the years, the questions have not been different. Not only boredom because we are talking about loneliness, and not only ignorance. And not only getting pregnant, even though they used a contraceptive, all of these questions, or the question of just being with the wrong person, or I got a lot of questions from same-sex partners. Mm -hmm. Nobody in those years, it was the height of AIDS, of of the disease. Nobody talked so openly about AIDS like me. And constantly warning, be careful. Constantly warning, it's a terrible disease. Please be careful. So um, I was very fortunate that the gay population listened to me. Older people listened, younger people listened. And now I have to tell you, the questions that I got, I have 15 boxes. They are going to Washington, to the National Library, the names will be covered. You are the first one ever to hear about this. The names will be covered so nobody can see names or addresses. And people can then do some research on the questions, like the one that you just asked. What were the questions in those years? The questions in those years were very often about some basic advice about contraception. The questions were what to do so that sex should not be boring. And that's where the book comes in, The Art of Arousal, because I talk about what to do. So let's talk about that. Let's say you've been with someone for many, many years, and it could be the greatest sexual partner in the world, but just with repetition comes boredom. And that I often see with my friends whose whose marriages fall apart or issues I've had yeah. is that. So what do you do? How do you keep it fresh? How do you how do you kind of fight that? I have to tell you something that will sound like a commercial, but it's okay. Go and get my book, The Art of Arousal. Okay. Because it gives you advice. Somebody who is an art historian who right now works in Texas, somebody called it. He told me that he has the book on his nightstand. What does it mean? He uses it for arousal. So I am very happy about that. So we we added some more stories to the first edition, like Chinese and Japanese stories. And it's a wonderful book for your nightstand. Danny, I want you to try it out. Okay. And then I'll, and then, you know, I never ask personal questions. I just will say, all of you people who are listening to my friend Danny, tell me that that book helped. (laughs) (laughs) You often talk about how healthy fantasy is, that whatever it is, even I read a quote, it was like, even if the... If you're a woman and the whole football team is in bed with you in your mind, no problem. Go for it. I, I, <laughs> I did say that. I yes. said that. <laughs> I've often said to people, sometimes I'll be sit- sitting at a table with a couple that's been together for 20 or 30 years or 40 years, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say to 
one of the partners, you know, you do know even when you're having sex, there's a good chance your partner's thinking about somebody else or something else. And there's nothing unhealthy about that, correct? No, except keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Danny. Don't tell anybody. And then there's one more advice. Listen carefully. Use fantasy. Use a book like The Art of Arousal. However, make sure do not use in your fantasy, do not use a neighbor. Because the neighbor lives too near, it could happen in actuality. So use some fantasy, use some people that you have met on television, uh-huh. use some people that you have met yesterday in the elevator, you have no idea who it was, but not your neighbor. Don't use anything in your fantasy that is too near to reality. But how about if that's what turns you on? If that's your fantasy is the next door neighbor and you're not going to act on it, but it just... Keep your mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't talk about it ever. If that's what helps you, use it. But don't talk about it. Not even with your partner. Because once you get angry at each other, about something, uh, he let the water run, and and it ran over the bus stop. Who knows what? Uh, and then this will come up. So do not talk about it. <laughs> Is it true that I'm going to give you a stereotype? Tell me if it's true that men usually have affairs for sexual reasons and women for emotional reasons. Is that is that that's not true? Nonsense. 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 Say it loud on your program. Nonsense. Women need sexual encounters and satisfaction as much as men. However, there are some differences. Most women like, because of romanticism, they like to have sex in the evenings. Most men wake up with an erection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now I said it on his program. (laughs) Please repeat it, erection. Men wake up with erections, correct. Right. <laughs> and and um, people have to be sexually uh, knowledgeable and uh, know that. That's why men want to have sex in the morning. I tell older people particularly, make sure that you both get up, you have a little breakfast, and you go to the bathroom and you go back into bed not true that women don't like to have sex in the morning. Close the, close the windows, close the shades, and go back into bed. Men do wake up with an erection, go to the bathroom, have a little breakfast, back into bed. I remember having a discussion with a woman uh, who I was involved with years ago, and I, some masturbation came up, and I said, I love to masturbate. And she goes, well, I don't understand you have me. And I said, well, they're different things. Explain how you can still obviously be in a healthy relationship, very attracted to your partner, but that masturbation is something that's different. And it's... it's I, it, <laughs> okay, that's why I did the book, The Art of Arousal, because I talk about masturbation and I talk about it not just for people who are lonely, not just for people who don't have a partner, but even for people who have a partner. The, the desire for sex, the sexual arousal, is not equal between men and women. And there are many people, men and women too, 
who, in addition to having sex, do enjoy sexual arousal and masturbation. They just have to know not to talk about it. It's nobody's business. I have never, ever asked. I have been asked many times about masturbation, but I've never asked anybody, do you masturbate? I just say, most people do enjoy from time to time to bring themselves to sexual satisfaction, and it's okay. Listen on Danny's program. It's okay. <laughs> Danny say, okay. I say it's okay. Masturbation <laughs> is okay. I say, let's talk also about something that's just gained so much prevalence in our society, pornography. And tell me yes. where you find it healthy and tell me where the places where it can get unhealthy. I do believe that anybody, men or women, who do get aroused by watching other couples having sex, by all means, use it. Use that arousal, but make sure that your door is closed. No children. <laughs> no children, obviously. No children. And there's nothing wrong with watching. However, you have to be realistic. Nobody has an erection like the one they're showing in porno. <laughs> that makes me feel better. They're showing an erection uh, the length of the screen here. Yes. Nonsense. Nobody has orgasms the way they're showing it about women having orgasm in those porno films. No such thing. Yeah. No, and, and no size of penis like in the porno film. So be realistic. Use it. The door must be closed. No children. It's is there new challenges for adolescents? You know, when I grew up, we basically had Playboy magazine, and that was kind of our exposure to you know at least my first images of, yeah. of a woman sexually. Now with the internet, you know, you have fourteen year olds who can go on and, as you said, see these very unrealistic right. depictions of, of sexuality, and there's something dangerous about that. Whereas it's yes. just you know whether they they somehow come in and almost feeling inadequate. From the beginning, what do we do about that? Right. What we do about it, we listen to you and me talk about it. No such size of penis as they are showing in the porno films. No such way. Well, they're there. It's just very, it's a very unusual case. Unusual. Yes. Not only that, I don't want to talk about the unusual case. I want to talk about the cases most people. Yes. And no such thing as a man having 25 orgasms in a row. Yes. No such thing. He has some orgasm, and then he wants to go to sleep. That's okay. And sometimes, <laughs> yes, and sometimes, I, can I can attest to that. <laughs> and sometimes he snores. Yes. That's okay, too. Tell her to take some earplugs into bed. <laughs> now, do most, what is the percentage of women that are able to orgasm from intercourse? Uh, that's always been a big question. I know. I don't have a, uh, an answer, but I would need new scientifically validated data for that. However, most women need clitoral stimulation mm -hmm. in order to have an orgasm. And now I want to tell you something. Sigmund Freud was sexually ignorant. He wrote some very interesting books about dreams and about other things. In terms of sexuality, he should have taken a course with me <laughs> because Sigmund Freud said, any woman who needs clitoral stimulation 
in order to have an orgasmic response is an immature woman. Nonsense! Every woman needs clitoral stimulation yes. in order to be uh, orgasmic. And Freud did not know that. I should have been around. You would have straightened out. I would have said, I would have said you are going to fail my course unless you change your idea about the or about the, the origin of orgasm. Because he made a lot of women very unhappy. Yes. Because they listened to him and they tried not to let their partner or themselves touch the clitoris because they waited for that real orgasm and nonsense. No such thing. An orgasm is an orgasm. The clitoris is always involved. And Loud and clear on your program. I got it. I got it. You also mentioned you were talking about the, the size of men's penises in pornography. In your experience with women, I, I you, you hear both sides from women. Some women say that size does not matter, and other women say, well, it's really, really important. And what has your research showed you over the years? i tell you what it shows. It depends on who the woman is. But I let all women know, don't ever tell a man, your penis is so small. <laughs> he, Definitely not. He will never forgive you. He will never forget it. Keep your mouth Definitely shut. Nobody said that to me, so I'm okay. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. Right. Penises of all sizes, and it doesn't matter the size. <laughs> it matters the technique and make sure enough foreplay. Women need more foreplay than men in order to have lubrication, in order to be able to have an orgasmic response. Boy, did we talk openly now. That And that's how I talked all of these years on WYNY on my program, Sexually Speaking. Yes. Well, that's why I wanted to take advantage of that. Another issue, uh, another kind of uh, thing that comes up a lot is aging. And, and sexuality and then yes. obviously i'm 64 years old and yes. uh, you look good you look good thank you darling you look beautiful that's the, fir- that's the first thing to tell a 64 year old yes you look thank, good thank and did you. you hear did you hear what he said very important he said i look beautiful 91 <laughs> i look beautiful Go you ahead. look beyond beautiful um <laughs> But, you, you know, obviously your, your sexual appetites change a bit and, and yes. sometimes the physiology changes a little bit. So what yes. is the advice you give to people as they're aging and, and sexual? Because I also, what I've seen over the years is there's, and this is another thing I see, is these sexless marriages, which I don't get. I don't get how you stay in a marriage when there's no more sex. I mean, but it's- Okay, uh, I tell you what, sexless marriage, if they stay together just because she has money, it's a problem. But I say, make the best of it and masturbate. If you don't feel like having sex, read a book. It does not have to be my book. There are plenty of other books. Read a book, get aroused, bring yourself to orgasm and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And how do couples rebound from infidelities? Um, What what happens in a relationship? You know, that's, Big that's problem. You, because I, I've known many couples that have split up over infidelities. And I've known many couples that have stayed together through an infidelity. Right. There is no recipe to start with. It does happen. And a therapist, a skilled therapist can navigate for that couple. If there is enough interest in each other, 
to stay together. But if they stay together, listen carefully, not to talk about it anymore. Yeah. It happened, it happened, go on with life. How do you feel in this day and age, there's so much enhancements going on, so much plastic surgery going on, so much young young people today have to grow up with all these images of body images. I mean, what are- I have no, I have no use for that. If you have extra money, don't spend it on facial surgery. Give it to some poor people who need money. And, and you will feel much better. I'm not talking about people for plastic surgery after an accident. Sure, of course. Not, I'm just talking about the ones that go in for plastic surgery for enhancement. I have no use for that. So if a woman has small breasts and wants large breasts, you have an issue with that? Or if a woman has large breasts and wants smaller breasts, what's your reaction to that? I say, do me a favor, be happy with what you have Mm -hmm. and give your extra money to some refugees. Especially when I can say refugees because of my background, having been a refugee. And in today's world, there are enough causes in terms of refugees, in terms of big problems to give your money to. But that I'm a little bit extreme because somebody will say, but my happiness depends on it. So mm-hmm. I say, okay, have your nose fixed. Don't bother me. <laughs> I, I don't, don't bother me with things that are in my way of thinking. Uh, not necessary. I'm not talking about when it's necessary. Sometimes it is necessary, right? So that's a different story. But all of these extra thousands of dollars, oh boy, the plastic surgeons on your program are not going to like me anymore. Right. <laughs> what is, um, if you were going to say over the years, and you've done so much counseling and, and a lot of research, what are the kind of basic fundamentals of what makes a long-term relationship work? I'm, I've had two failed. I've had two failed marriages, and I'm single now. I'm a, I'm a great dad, but I haven't, you know, been able to stay forever, you know, with somebody. And I'd like to be able to do that. What what tend to be the keys? I, I think the key is not to expect that the heaven will open and everything will be wonderful. You have to be with two feet on the ground and realistic. I have had two failed marriages. But I think of them with pleasure. One took me to Paris. Mm -hmm. That's how I was five years in Paris and went to the Sorbonne to study psychology. And the other one brought me to the United States. Look at me. I'm talking to Donnie. Look at that. Half an hour of sex talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I agree. You know, just because a marriage doesn't last forever doesn't mean it wasn't productive. And I think you're, you're, that's exactly what you're saying. Whereas my case, I have these amazing children. And so sometimes you can look at a marriage and it, I think actually the most failed marriages are marriages that people stay together forever and they're miserable. That's a failed marriage. Right. So what you have to say to yourself and to others, look how fortunate we have had such a good time. We have had children. We are taking good care of the children. But the two of us went separate ways, period. 
don't have to explain. Say, the uh, two of us developed differently. We had separate, separate ways. And then, and then sometimes the therapist can be very helpful by smoothing out some problems so that the separation is productive. So that there is no such hard feeling. The contrary, I think of my failed marriage. Wonderful. One brought me to Paris. The other one gave me a gorgeous daughter. I'm a very fortunate person, period. Don't ask me any other questions about that. Well, I'm <laughs> one of the biggest challenges today, I'm, I'm holding up my, my phone for people who, are, who aren't watching visually, and I have young, I have teenage daughters, is the image that ev they see all these perfect looking girls young women on on the internet on social media and that they, they're constantly measuring themselves against what other people look like we didn't you didn't have this growing up i didn't have this growing up this is a challenge particularly for, i mean for young men also but particularly young women today these very perfect idealized images of their bodies and yet nobody's bodies are perfect obviously and nobody so, so please tell them dr rose k westheimer thick six uh, not six feet tall four foot seven <laughs> and look how happy i am yeah. even so now i'm a widow and concentrate on the good things i have two wonderful children i have four splendid grandchildren i like the boy the boys and the girls that the grandchildren go with my granddaughter just got engaged say hallelujah Congratulations, Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov is right. And, and uh, so I'm concentrating on the positive. When a negative thought comes into my head, I look at it and I say, what can I learn from it? If nothing, out. Next question. Good for you. <laughs> I want to shift back to what we talked about earlier. You you grew up and obviously a, a child of the Holocaust, and yeah, I always love and you're you're. I, I always want to take advantage when I'm talking to somebody who's older and has lived through this, and mm. we're living through some very crazy times now. Um, yes, and I just from your perspective, and, and there's there's autocrats raising all over the world, and we we've lived through a president that that has fascist tendencies. Should we be worried today? I mean, you're such an optimist, but yet I talk about politics on TV a lot, and there's there's a lot of reason to be worried today. And I'm just curious. You have such wisdom from your years. I would love your perspective. No question. Very good question, and I am worried. No question. So, and I'm admitting it, but I'm not dwelling on it. Mm -hmm. I'm admitting that I'm worried, and I have never, since I'm an American citizen, not voted. I didn't talk about politics until recently when I applaud Kansas of um, overturning that abortion. So I, I do support all of those reasonable people, but I'm an optimist. I believe Americans are strong. I believe we'll get over this. I hope you're right. Dr. Ruth, my final question, you've been so generous with your time. The premise of this podcast is that kind of everybody's a brand. Everything is a brand today. And I'd love to know what's the Dr. Ruth brand, if you were going to sum it up. Uh, healthy relationships, 
including sexual relationships. I, you know what's amazing? Most people struggle when I ask them that question, and you just you had the laser answer ready. <laughs> Dr. Ruth, it is such a privilege to be able to talk to you again. You are a national treasure, and please stay healthy and keep working. When you come to New York, you'll come. I'm in New York. Tonight. I'm in New York now. I'm on 78th Street. Okay, so one of these days, wait until no more virus, and then I want you to come and visit me in Washington Heights overlooking the Hudson. 190th Street, right? 190th and, and overlooking the Cloisters. And my granddaughter got engaged on a bench in Fortryan Park that is named after my late husband, Manfred. When it. you come, we will both walk to the bench in Fortryan Park. That would be an honor. I'm going to take you up on that. And you stay well, my friend. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you to get good ratings for this. Okay, well, I, with you on, I will get great <laughs> ratings. I can promise you that much. Thank you, All darling. Right. You stay well. Yeah, call me. Bye-bye. I will. Thanks for listening to our Brands of the Week and our interview with Dr. Ruth. We love when you drop by the show. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, anyplace else. And um, tune in next week. We will always have fun on the show. I love that you listen. And we'll see you next week on On Brand. <laughs>